and they're grown. And we missed our opportunities to invest in their lives. So if we perceive that our children are extremely important, if we perceive that every opportunity that we have to contribute to their life, if we perceive that as being important, then you know it's not going to take us by surprise to wake up one day and see what they have become. Remember when Jesus was dealing with the woman at the well? He began talking to her and she said, uh, why would you ask me for a drink of water? Jesus said, if you'll drink of the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. Then he began to inquire about her marital situation. And uh, she, she changed her mind about who he was. And she said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And as soon as her perception moved on to the level of what was true reality, then Jesus was able to minister to her and she received his presence and a change in her life. And she went into the city then and told all the men, I want you to come see a real man. I want you to come see a man who told me that everything that ever I did, he has mentioned it to me. What an awesome man that is. Now if you, if you perceive that coming to church is not very important, that it's a take or leave situation. You know, if I come, I come. If I don't, I don't. But you, we're not understanding how important it is for us to come together and for us to share our faith with one another and to get built up in the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm convinced that far too many people are living way below where we need to be living in our walk with God. I believe many of us are suffering in our bodies because we have not put our faith to the test and really believe what the Word of God declares. So, so thing number two is we have to learn to think on the level of our anointing. When we learn to think according to where we want to be and where we want to go, it will make a difference in our life. Now, if I still think like I did when I was 8 or 10 or 12 years old, and I was with my parents, they were all alive, I mean, it was wonderful days, but I didn't think on the level of being a mature Christian. I didn't think on the level of pastoring great people. I thought on the level of what I was. You know, but even then, I had in my mind that God had more for me than what I was getting out of it. And me and my brothers would play in the backyard and there was an old field, you've heard me tell this, there's an old field in the back that had old weeds growing about that high, just about the height of people. So I would stand the water bucket upside down and I'd stand on that water bucket and I'd preach to those weeds. Because in my mind and in my heart, I believed that I was on a different level. Now I had to be under the authority of my parents.
I better be. I had to be under the authority of my parents. But there was something going on inside of me that was not in, in harmony with what was happening on the exterior circumstances of my life. So I began to think on a different level. And I'm telling you right now, even though your circumstances may have you held down right now, you don't have to live the rest of your life according to what your circumstances are dictating to you. Glory to God. You can begin to see yourself from a higher perspective. If I see myself as being a healed, anointed man of God, then I need to start living according to that and not allow the circumstances around me to take control of my life. I want to live on the next level in my mind. I may be here today, but this is not where I'll be tomorrow. I'm talking about spiritually. You may be living in the same place that you've been in a long time, but that's not the full will of God for you. Amen. He wants you to move to a higher level. Amen. I believe that's the lesson Jesus was teaching to His disciples whenever the word came for, to Him that Lazarus was dead. They sent for Him. Martha sent for Him. Lazarus is dead. But instead of Jesus reacting immediately and running to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he waited two or three more days. As a matter of fact, when he got there, Lazarus had been dead four days. And Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. <laughs> I believe Jesus is teaching his disciples something better here. They had never seen the dead come back to life again. They had never experienced that in their life. So this was the opportunity that Jesus had to teach them something on a higher level. So he didn't hurry to get there. He waited until he had been dead for four days. And Martha said, by now, you know, you know, there's a smell involved in it. <laughs> well, Jesus' delays usually has a few smells with them. When, when, when he doesn't do things as quickly as we think they ought to be doing, we may say, boy, that stinks to high heaven. I, I just believed that God was going to do that yesterday. And it hasn't happened yet. But Jesus said, hey, I want you to understand, time has no power over me. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Jesus said, I want you to know that I'm greater than death. I'm greater than sickness. I'm greater than the four-day interruption. I want you to know I am the resurrection and the life. You need to put your faith and your trust in me. Now thank God for good doctors and thank the Lord for good medical people. But I want you to know the real healing one is Jesus Christ. He is the one who bore our sins and sicknesses in His own body on the cross. The third one I want us to understand 
how we think about ourselves is our greatest promotion or our greatest obstacle. How do I see myself? Do I see myself, as Sarah reminded us earlier today, is carrying on the propitious idea that I'm just going to be what my relatives have been. I'm going to be what my grandfather was. I'm going to be what my great-grandfather was and, and my father. I'm going to fall right in line. I've had people tell me that. My dad was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. Preacher, it's in my blood. I reckon I'll end up being an alcoholic. I tell them, listen, don't you let the devil fool you with that kind of stuff. You don't have to lower yourself down into that kind of living. You can lift up yourself. I don't see you as an alcoholic. How do you see yourself? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Do I see myself weak and frail? Always on the bottom? Never getting the promotion? Never moving up the ladder when other people are? Is that the way I see myself? Do I see myself as falling short in every capacity and deciding I'm just going to have to learn to live with the fact that I'm going to be poor all of my life and I'm going to be sick and suffering all of my life. After all, that's all my family has ever been in and so that's all I'm going to do. I believe that one of the big problems in America today is that we have allowed ourselves to sink down into this poverty cycle. Amen. I'm preaching better than you shouting. We have allowed ourselves to sink down in this poverty cycle. Because my parents had it hard, my grandparents had it hard, I guess that's just what I'm going to have to do also. But I'm telling you, when you're a child of the king, whew, that means you are the heir to everything our father owns. And he owns the world and everything that's in it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills, and he owns the taters in the hills. God owns it all. And if he is my father, I am his son and I am his heir and I refuse to walk in poverty when he said my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I may, I may have sickness in my body it may be manifesting in certain ways, but in my mind and in my spirit and in my heart, I know that I am healed because by His stripes we were healed and I receive it and I accept it in Jesus' name. So what I think of myself is going to have a lot to do with how well I succeed in life. Now, if you think everybody owes you something and all you got to do is sit around and wait on them to bring your check, you're probably going to end up very disappointed because your desire to succeed 
and be successful goes hand in hand with putting forth the effort to see it come to pass. You don't just sit there and think about it. You begin to put into motion what God has put in your heart and that's the way we begin to see it become a great reality. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you God is doing some great things and we need to get beyond the past. I want to look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan. That is in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban and Hazaroth and Dishabab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir road. Then the third verse says, In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites, The Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and at Edrei had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. East of the Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, listen to what he said, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance to the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, and in the western foothills in the Negev and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates. Verse 8 says, See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the, Father, that the Lord swore He would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. He said, I want you to know this is a new day. And a new time. I know you folks have lived most of your life in the slavery of Egypt. I know you think in the realm of being under somebody else's authority. I was reading an interesting article that said one of the things that they had about people who come out of prison, who have been in prison a long time. They come out of an environment where someone else makes all the decisions. All they do is what they're told to do. They eat what's set before them. They go wherever they're told to go. They go through whatever door they are allowed to go through. They can't make any decisions. Somebody else is doing their thinking for them. And one of the biggest problems they have when they come out of being incarcerated, is learning how, once again, to make decisions for themselves. Even simple decisions of what to wear or what, to, what kind of toothpaste to buy at the grocery store. The simplest little things. Because their mind is still in prison even though their body is on the outside. Glory to God, I'm preaching now. Because most of us have trouble elevating to the next level. 
We still want to live where we have been so long. (laughs) Glory to God. And rather than trying to think on the next level, we're still stuck where we were. And God is wanting to move us up to a higher level. I believe it's one thing that's holding this church back. We ought to be filled to capacity with people today all up and down the aisles. But one of the things, we're still stuck on this small church mentality. We're still stuck on the idea that this is all we'll ever be. This is all we'll ever have. We're getting ready to build two new buildings back here in the back right now. Because I want you to see that God is at work and the kingdom of God is not dead, but we're moving forward and we're not going to stay on the same level that we've always been. We're going to move to a higher level. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But you see, it's so important for us to see that. Just a few decades ago, track and field experts proudly declared that no runner would ever break the four-minute mile. I remember that, believe it or not. I remember when they were talking about the humans just were not set up to run that fast. And no one would ever run a four-minute mile. Experts conducted all kinds of studies to show that it just wouldn't work. And for years and years, they were right. No one ever believed and no one ever tried to run or could run a mile in less than four minutes. But one day, a young man came along who didn't believe the expert's opinions. He stepped forward. He didn't live on the impossibilities. He didn't listen to the naysayers. He didn't listen to the scientists and the medical people who declared that a human could not run a mile in less than four minutes. He did what they said it couldn't be done. And a young man named Roger Bannister ran the first four-minute mile, went under four minutes for the first time ever in the history of the human race. Did we have any idea This young man named Roger Battister said, I don't believe that it, that, that, I don't believe what's being told to me. I wonder how long it's going to take us walking around the same mountain and stopping at the same place for us to realize that God's got something better and God's got something more. And I'm not going to believe all the people who say it can't be done. Let's pause right now and give God a hand clap of praise. What is so interesting about the Roger Bannister story, within a month, a young Australian named John Landy, thank you brother, a young Australian named John Landy broke Bannister's record. And then they came together and were to, were to race against each other at the British Empire Games in Vancouver in Canada. They called it the mile of the century when the two fastest humans would race against each other. Well, I'm not going to go into that a whole lot, but 
Bannister won about eight, with about eight-tenths of a second. His was three minutes, 58 and eight-tenths seconds. And uh, John Landis was three minutes and 59.6 efforts. But, but that's really not the point that I'm making here. The point that I want to make is that within 10 years, 336 runners had broken the four-minute mile. 336. One man dared to say, I don't believe that that's impossible. One man dared to say, I'm going to be different from what everybody else is, and I'm going to stand up and show everybody that it can be done. That's why Jesus told his disciples, I am the resurrection and the life. I didn't have to come here to be here for Lazarus to be alive. All I got to do is speak the word and he'll be, he'll be brought back to life. That's when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. That's the way God works. He's always wanting to expose you to next level stuff. That next level stuff is the stuff that makes you stop and scratch your head and wonder about it. That next level challenge is the one you lie awake at night and think about it. Well, now God, I've never confronted anything like this before. I've never been to the position that I'm in now. And I tell you what, I just don't know if I can do this. But if you will elevate your mind and elevate your faith to believe that God is a now God and God wants you to operate on the next level, then I promise you, you don't have to stay beat down in the old place that you've been in for so long. Glory to God. That scripture that I read to you where God said you've been walking round and round this mountain long enough. I mean it was an 11 day journey and they had been 40 years marching round and round the same mountain. Sometimes I feel like we live marching around the same mountain and I believe the Lord is speaking to us and say you have marched around this mountain long enough. Hey, I want you to arise and go out and possess the land. I've given you all of it. And they finally took God at His word and stopped grumbling and complaining and began to move forward and they were able to possess the promised land. How we think about ourselves is our greatest promotion or our greatest obstacle. The battle is the mind, folks. It's in the mind. Number four, you'll never go beyond the barriers in your own mind. Hallelujah. Becky and I, when we pastored our first church, they didn't have a parsonage. I was straight out of Bible college. They didn't have a parsonage. The preacher lived in the old church. It was right next to the new church they had built. And in the old church, there was um, no closets, just big, you know, big rooms. And our, our um, 
dining room table was up on the altar rail, up on the platform. That's where we would go up there to eat a meal. And uh, the water, when you'd put the water in a glass, it would foam over the top and run down the glass. Like you were, well, I've never drunk beer, but I've seen them put it in there and it rolls down the glass. I've run over a few Diet Coke glasses, so I know it happens. But that's the way the water was. You know, it smelled like sulfur to high heavens. It would stink. And I, and I mean, I'm, I'm pastoring people who lived in good homes. And, and we had, Melody was our baby, and, and I mean, it was, a, it was tough living. And even though we were there, I said, God, one day, I'm going to be able to provide a decent home for my family to live in. I may be here today, but this is not where I'm going to stay. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. There's coming a day. There's coming a time. This church is going to broaden out. We're going to make a mark in this area like no one can see at this point except a few of us. We see it on the next level. We see it doing something in the future that has never happened before. We're trying to make decisions with that in mind. That's why this thing is sitting far enough off the road. We've got room for a new sanctuary between us and the road. This is built to be a youth center. This is a basketball court when you take the chairs out of it and the sound booth. That's why the ceiling is as high as it is. Because we're in this level. <laughs> but our spirit and our heart is in the next level. And I'm believing that God is going to take us there. If you think you can't do something, you'll never do it. I mean, it's just as simple as that. The battle is in your mind. When your mind is defeated, you've already lost the battle. When you lose that feeling of success, you are almost wasting your time. You know, the Bible calls that a stronghold. A barrier is a stronghold. And I want you to know in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, the Bible says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. It's the wrong kind of thinking that keeps me imprisoned in poverty, in sickness, and, and living below my privilege in God. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. There's a few of you that believe this. Amen. But it's a lot easier for you to still hold on to your old traditions because it doesn't challenge your spirit and it doesn't challenge your mind. If you're satisfied for other people to feel sorry for you and you spend your time letting them heap their pity on you, 
because it makes you the center of attention, you will never be successful in the things of God that you need to be. But when you get to the place to say it, I'm tired of being the victim. I want to be the victor. And I'm going to take my place, hallelujah, as being successful and winning the victory for the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Now, it's a common thing for these track and field runners to break the four-minute mile. Nothing, nothing to it anymore. It would be to me, I probably would have a time making it to the highway in four minutes. But some of you run. I don't understand your thinking. I, I, I hold to the philosophy that your heart's only going to beat a certain number of times. And the more I get it excited and it beats faster, I'm cutting down my lifespan. So I'm going to let it rest easy. Yeah, boy. But it's an easy thing now for runners to run a four-minute mile. I mean, it's no big deal to them. They never thought it was possible for so long. Until somebody said, don't tell me it's impossible. You just stand back and watch what I'm going to do. And I'm waiting for some champions. Thank God for these two young men of God who preached these last two Sundays. Thank God for that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to some more men and women who's going to step up and say, don't tell me I can't do it. I'm going to show to you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Glory to God. And I promise you that it can be that way. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 6, he said, You have dwelt long enough on this mountain. You've been here long enough. It's time for you to let go of those hurts, those pains, those failures of yesterday. There are people who got hurt in church a long time ago and they've never got over it. And they still won't allow themselves to get involved in church very more. You, you're going to have to understand if we're just going to go in circles over and over and over, we'll never get to the promised land that God has for us. He wants us to move on to the next level. I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on for the prize. Am I pressing on for the prize? I get the, and the idea here, because the, the, the runners and, and the Olympic Games as we know them was, was, uh, was actually started in Greece, in Athens. So it was a very athletic society. And that straining forth 
is the idea of a runner about to cross the finish line and he's neck and neck with his competitor. And just before he gets to the tape, he strains his neck out and he pushes his head forward so it'll hit the tape before his body actually gets there. Paul said that's the idea that I want Christian people to live in. That you're straining forth for the next level. You're reaching forth to what's ahead. You're not satisfied with yesterday. You're not happy with the way you acted yesterday when you should have been more spiritual. You're not happy with the way you acted when somebody asked you about the Lord and you were a little bit embarrassed that you didn't know how to answer them. He said, I want you to strain for the mark. I want you to stick your head out far and get there ahead of the enemy. I want you to see that. Number five, today is a new day. It is a new day. It's a day that God has called us to not let our past determine our future. Maybe we've lived in abusive situations and some people have. Some people have been abused and mistreated for most of their life. Or someone walked out on you. Don't inhibit the great future that God has for you because of the hurts from the past. Because the devil will use that to defeat you at every turn. He'll be quick to remind you just how much you got hurt. And you better guard yourself and not let somebody hurt you again. That's what the devil's good at. He's good at reminding you all of that. I like what Isaiah chapter 61 and in verse 7. Boy, this is a great verse of Scripture. Instead of their shame, you have double. And for confusion, then instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in your inheritance. So they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. He said for the shame, oh glory to God, for the shame that you've had to endure, God's going to give you a double portion blessing. You're going to receive double because of the shame that has been placed upon you. And for the confusion that has been brought in your life, you're going to rejoice in the portion that has been given you because he said it, that's your land to possess it and double the everlasting joy shall be to them. God's going to add up all the injustices and all the hurts and all the pains and He's going to pay you back with twice as much joy and twice as much peace and twice as much happiness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo. When you suffer for Jesus' sake, get ready to receive a double portion for it. Amen. When people make fun of you and talk about how you've gone off the deep end in this religious stuff, just rejoice because a double portion blessing is on its way to you where you live. God says, I'm going to give you a double portion blessing. 
Hallelujah. That's what God's desire is for you. I like those scriptures. Let me just read Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Glory to God. And number six, if you will change your thinking, God will change your life. And that is so true. If we will take the limits off what God is trying to do, if we'll stop going around thinking about defeat and failure, and expect God to fill us with all joy and blessings and, pro yes, prosperity. You mean you one of those prosperity preachers? Yes, I am. My Bible says that my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And it also says, if I would delight myself also in the Lord, He will give me the desires of my heart. Woo! Glory to God. It's our thinking that keeps us in defeat. Number seven, enlarge your tent. Get ready. Get ready. Enlarge your tent. We set our standards way too low. In Isaiah chapter 54 and verse one, sing, O barren woman, <laughs> you who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. God said, don't spend your time thinking about what you have not done and what you have not enjoyed. Just rejoice in the Lord and bless the Lord. He said, spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. What a beautiful picture of God's desire for you. God is saying, get ready for more. Make room for increase. Get ready for the walls and enlarge your tents. Hallelujah. Expect more favor. Have supernatural blessings coming your way. Thank you, Jesus. That's exactly what I'm expecting. I'm expecting supernatural blessings. Oh, I've been blessed. I keep telling my wife over and over, if I have to leave this world today, I'm a blessed man. I've had a good life. I've been blessed beyond measure. I've got a whole lot more than I deserve. I've got a whole lot more blessings than I could ever deserve. So I'm a blessed man today. I like that. Because one day, one day, one day, I'm going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Years ago, anybody old enough to remember Sam Cooke? Remember the singer Sam Cooke? Me and Richard's the only two in the church old enough to remember Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke sang a song that said, my change is going to come. I was born by the river in a little tent. And just like that river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long time coming. But I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Because I don't know what's out there beyond the sky.
It's been a long, a long time coming. But I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. And then I'll go to see my brother. And I ask him to help me, please. And he just winds up knocking me back down to my knees. <laughs> there were times when I thought I couldn't last for long. But now I think I'm able to carry on. It's been a long, it's been a long time coming. But I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. A lot of you remember Sam Cooke saying, looking back over my life. See, I go way back. When you could understand what the lyrics were in the songs. When they would sing songs that made sense, that didn't have ugly words in them, didn't have suggestive lyrics in them, they were innocent and they were just good love songs. Man, how we are longing and yearning for that kind of a life again. I'm telling you, you don't have to live in the failures of your past. You don't have to live in the hurt places of your past. Get over it. Get beyond it. God's got something much better in store for you. You don't have to be. You ever heard people say, you won't ever be anything. You'll never amount to anything. You know, you're just one of those kind of people that you ain't gonna never have nothing. I've heard people tell their children that. You don't have to believe what people said to you. You can believe what God says about you. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Glory to God. Well, amen. God's plans are to prosper us. That's the plan I want to live in. Let's stand together. I've said enough. Let's stand together. Glory to God. Bow your heads with us in prayer. God, I want to thank you today that we have a desire to move up to the next level. I don't want us to stay where we are. I don't want to be what I've always been. I want to be more. I want to be better. I want to be stronger. God, I want to thank you for your word that speaks positive things to us and tells us that we can elevate ourselves above the level of what other people seem to be satisfied in. And we're not satisfied to be there. We're gonna to move to the next level. God, have your way in our lives today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If there's anybody in this church that hears what I'm saying today, and you're in tune with what I've been talking about. And you're ready to move up to your ne next level. You're not going to be satisfied anymore to live where you've been. I would like for you to join me at the front of this church. And let's just make some declarations before God. I'm not going to be what I have been. 
I'm going to move to another level. I'm going to get somewhere with God. Because I believe if you want to do that, the Lord's going to help you do that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I might be walking up here in pain, but I know what the Word of God says. And He says, by whose stripes you were healed. So I may be in pain right now, but in my heart and in my mind, I know I'm healed. I may be living in poverty right now. I might be just lost my job. And I might be having a hard time financially. But in my heart and in my mind, God's already taking care of it. He's already moving to the front burner. And I want to move to the next level with God. I'm not satisfied just to stand where I've been in the name of Jesus. Let's everybody pray at one time and say, God, in the name of Jesus, we lift up before you everything that we have. Everything that we are and everything that we ever will be, we lift it up to you now in the name of Jesus. I want to move up to the next level. I'm not satisfied to be where I am. I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a man of power. I want to be a person that believes in the Lord God with all of my heart. And I know I can do all things because your word declares that I can do all things. And I am living by that and believing by that. Lord, I want to thank you for what you've already done in my life. I want to thank you for the many times that you've already delivered me, for all the times you healed our children, for all of the times that you made a way when there seemed to be no way, when you brought me the money to pay my rent and I didn't know where I was going to get it from. Oh God, I remember all the good times. Glory to God. You've been so good to me. In the name of Jesus. Glory to the living God. I'm not going to live where I am. I'm going to lift myself up higher. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.